Hey, yo. Hey, what's up, brother? What's up, what's up? How you doing, bro? Things cool, you know. Things cool. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you, too. Long time. Yeah, man. Now, huh? From since, what, Trinidad Carnival, right? Yeah, February. Right. February. We're already in July now, so. Wow. <laughs> the year flying, man. And just to think, I was going to see you in know, a, a couple of days for Vinci Mass. Yeah, I saw Cova. We're actually going to be on the same event on Saturday. We're supposed to be brunch and soccer. Right. Yeah, so that would have been another. Cova actually tweeted today and he was like, um, you guys would have been in Barbados getting ready, you know, to come across now for Vinci Mass. Right. So, what you can do about it, you know? That's, that's what it is right now. Exactly. So... For those of all that are locked in right now, this is Let's Talk Soka with Captain John out of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, mm -hmm. So tell us, Captain John, how are you dealing with the, the pandemic, the quarantine? The quarantine? Um, I wouldn't say that, that... I've actually been in St. Vincent for the majority of the time. You know, I've been right. in for, for all of the, the time. So we haven't been under quarantine per se. You know, we've still had some liberties that other countries haven't had. You know, I think our, in, in total, we had about 39 cases. So we've been one of the blessed countries to not really be fully affected by coronavirus. But um, with its limitations, I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've been studying. I've been as creative as possible, you know, trying to do some introspection and also some, you know, assessment of my life and my music and my art you know which is a blessing so i'm happy for that time also you know it, it has been a blessing in disguise no lie right yeah. vibes so it's good to hear that you know you're being productive during the um the little time off that we have the pause because of covid as, uh, as, as i can be i should say i can't really put i can't say productive full stop i've been productive when able you know Right. Like, honestly, the first couple months especially were not as productive for me, you know? I'm weird when it comes to my environment and creativity. So, I guess with everything happening, it kind of affected my productivity. Okay. In the first couple of weeks. In the first couple of months. It was, it was a windy road, you know? And I know a lot of creatives suffered um, during it also because I was speaking to a lot of guys and I found that you know, the, the creatives who feed the energy from their environment were really in a state creatively. Right. And I was one of those people. So, you know, as productive as possible. Which is fair, you know. So, talk to us about the creative process, right? Mm -hmm. For somebody who, I guess, is not familiar with the creative realm... How would you get started on, for example, production? In terms of... I don't even think there's, there's like a solid answer for that. And I'm actually seeing it now, like, because I have a whole heap of friends who are DJs and so on, who are actually starting production now. And they're sending me their things. And, like, you're realizing that, that the creative process really has no definite start, you know, start point. Like, guys find creativity all over the place, you know? So me personally, like I was saying before, I actually gain creativity from my environment and my surroundings. And like, 
I realize I'm a person who, who really harbors my emotions and my creativity are tight. So I would say I fall into that category of creatives that I start my creative process internally from my emotions. It's like that for some people. Some people are more technical. I know some guys would sit down and be like, yo, I like all this instrument or like like, I like this. So I'm going to start from that point. So I, I wouldn't really say like there's a fixed start point. But me personally, I would say I start from like, and like it's more intrinsic to me how I feel really determines what kind of music I make. Nice, yeah. and that's a good place to be too. I think you know everyone is different and everyone expresses their creativity in a different way. So for those of all you locking in right now, this is Let's Talk Soca with DJ Captain John out of Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. If you have your questions for Captain John, be sure to drop them in the question box below. I want a large up. <laughs> no, no to the way. <laughs> exactly. Um, large up all the crew from St. Vincent and the Grenadines that's locked in. So tell me, how are you, um, you know, coping? I know in addition to the COVID-19, there's also the cancellation of Vinci Mass. Yeah. How are you feeling with that? That was, that was a rough one. You know, I was holding hope out. You know, I was down to like the final line before. I was like, yeah. This is going to be over before, you know, we get into carnival. I'm still holding hope because, you know, maybe if things kind of get better, we can have like an August carnival. But it was a rough one. Like, this is the first time in my adult life that I can remember there not being an H2O. An H2O is a show that I used to sneak into when I was 15 and <laughs> like jump fence to go to H2O. So that there wasn't an H2O. No Soka Monarch, you know, no Skinny versus Fireman. No... Like, no road, no oxygen mass. Like, trust me, it, it took a toll on me to see. Like, I never, it's surreal. I never thought there would be a day when um, July come around and we don't have Vince Mass. We're not on the road Monday and Tuesday, you know? Trust me. Yeah, it's... No Monday Someone magic. Pro... For real, no Monday magic. Some unprecedented times we're living in, you know? I mean, hopefully... <laughs> This time next year, we could be on the road again. That's a hope. That's a hope. You know, we can only hope for that right now. We have no, no idea what direction everything is going to take, but fingers crossed. You know, I'm hoping by the end of this year, at least once. I'm not sure. You're going down to Jamaica for, for Jamaica Carnival? If Well, they say it, it's for sure, so. Are you heading out? It might, it might look so, you know. Yeah, so see, before the year ends, some people are going to end up on the road, so. Fingers crossed next year, this time, Vinci can have their time, you know. All right. So, lodge up everyone in the chat right now. I'm seeing 784 Vinci Boy. I'm seeing Queen yeah. of Light. Exuberant Vinci as well. J Lava. So, for those of all you that, you know, living under a rock or, you know, you're new to soca music or new to Caribbean music, we'll say, Captain John, tell us, who is Captain John? Uh, how did you get your name? How did I get my name? Yeah. Woo. It's actually a high school nickname, you know? So I actually, I actually got the name before I started DJing in high school. So, and then it just transcended into music as I moved forward. So it, it, it was a nickname that I had with my friends that kind of just went over into the music when I started, you know? 
uh, people have different interpretations. Like every time, I remember the first time I looked at Scratch and I was like, you know, DJ Captain John, he was like, oh, so you have a ship? So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people have, I kind of look at it like a Captain America, you know, Captain John kind of thing. But yeah, it was like a high school name that came across. You know, that was the origin. Vibes, I mean, a lot of, and that you know, you're not the only one. A lot of creatives, they say that their entertainer name or their stage name usually comes from something that was given to them during their childhood, whether their friends call it, call them that, or family members, or you had that one uncle who never wanted to say small man, so you give you another nickname. Mm -hmm. Those kind of vibes. So, good to know. So, I know that you, you know, you started at a young age, and you actually had your first online radio station in Vinci. You were one of the first to start it, actually. And it was called Tickle Me Radio. Tell me about that journey in particular. Because you were only 11 years old when you started it, right? Yeah, Tickle Me Radio. That's the, that's the original origin if we're talking about that. Uh, I'm surprised you, you did your research there, boy. Tickle Me Radio. Um... I remember it was, a, it was a time when we started DJing and we didn't have a platform. It was hard to get on, on radio. And like they had other, I think they had like another internet radio station. But at the time, we're, we're 11, using virtual DJ and cam <laughs> properly. And like I just was like, okay, I'm going to save on lunch money, pay for those times. It was like a streaming server. It used to cost like $20 a month. You know, so all right. the streams that guy's doing now, we were doing it back when we were 11, 12. So, like, I built a website for it and everything, and that was, that was like the gateway into my gateway into DJing. I remember that started, like, getting the attention of local, like, radio personalities and so on. Like, my mom was even involved, and like, wow. it grew among my peers to the point where I just, like, it, it just that was really the catalyst for my my DJ career. You know, at eleven, tickle me radio. <laughs> Yeah, Chris. Chris John remembers it. Tickle Me Radio was a, was a thing back in the day when we were in high school. Wow. And I mean, from that, it looks like it came a long way. Chris John, lodge up yourself as well. Mm -hmm. So with that, you know, doing the radio station, you caught the attention of a lot of powerful people in the entertainment industry in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And I know from there, you branched off into going into Hits 103.7 and Hot 97 while you were still in school. Yeah. And, you know, in that, you, despite everything from DJing to studying to whatever other activities you had going on, you ended up becoming valedictorian of your school. So, yep. for, <laughs> so for the aspiring DJs or producers that's locked in right now that wants to go into the entertainment field, how did you balance doing all those different things? Because there's a lot of juggling going on there. Yeah, I, I, I really believe that I don't want to say prehistoric, but it's an older notion now, especially that you have to be one-sided. You know, like it, it was in the days before when, when your parents looked at you and they were like, if you do music, you can't do school. Like focus on your schoolwork because if you don't do well in school, like you're focusing on music, it's not going to help. Because I remember DJing actually helped me make connections in, in my academic life. You know, there are some good connections that I've made even now while I'm doing medicine that I was able to establish from my music network. So it was a case where I remember when I was in high school, this is even before 
I was valedictorian. We used to have like this group called Young Leaders. And I actually used to DJ for the fundraisers. So it's like, I don't believe that they're two separate things or one hurts the other. You can actually combine them and, and use each of them to propel yourself forward. You know, I, I don't believe anymore that, that one hurts the other. And you know, that is a very much fair assessment, right? We all, could, we all have many different talents and sometimes we're always pushed into a direction to only pursue one and not the other. So that being said, John, you know, right now you're a DJ, you're a producer, and you just mentioned that you're also studying medicine. So tell yeah. us about what, how has that been in terms of the journey? That has been, it, it's been a journey. It's been exactly that. It's been a journey, you know. Um, I have to be thankful for my support system because I've had many sleepless nights on, on all fronts, the music front, academic front, you know. Um, I would say that I've learned enough lessons to last me a lifetime so far in, in everything I've been trying to do. Even now, um, during the pandemic, it's taught me so many lessons when it comes to all aspects, the med medical aspect, the musical aspect and everything. But one thing that I'll say it's definitely taught me is time management because I've literally become a person who puts a value on my time because I understand what it is to waste time and how my time can contribute towards my success. So throughout all of this and with being able to balance everything i've definitely like been able to de develop my time management skills a lot you know vibes and of course you know we thank you for making the time today to talk to us about soca music and your whole career and your journey as well of course okay. nice mm -hmm. so going along that journey right you had to come radio and then you transition into the the radio life entertainment industry and you did it with one of your closest friends in the industry, and that would be Colombian Beyond the from Voice. The Voice. Sorry, Colombian The Voice yeah. from Team Energy Overload. Mm -hmm. And, you know, both of you had a very popular spot on the nation's, you know, top station, which is Hot 97, for those of you guys locked in in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. How did that friendship uh, start? And then also, how did the whole Team Energy Overload brand begin? Yeah, I would. When I was just speaking about support system, I would definitely have to put Colombian at the top of that. You know, our connection actually started on radio. You know, I was an intern on first radio station. We we're speaking about Hot Night, um, Hits FM, yes. sorry, Hits FM, and you know, he came into audition, and I, I actually they threw me into audition at the same time. So we were actually auditioning for TV. We were reading news for TV. You know, and. It so happened that that Saturday, the guys who normally do the Saturday shift, you know, there was some issue with them on the radio station and they weren't available. And they looked at us and they were like, do you guys want a shot at this? And that in that moment, that was the birth of Team Energy Overload. And from there, like, we've literally, I would say we're, we're like family now. You know, in every step we've grown, he's helped me grow as a person so much. Like, I've watched him grown from... Charles to Colombian 3D to Colombian The Voice, you know, and, and at each step, we've been supporting each other, like even at this moment. So 
it's it's really been a journey you know it started there and and like you said we went from hits to hot 97 to travel in the region you know went to so many carnivals so it's definitely it definitely that sound system requirement was really a part of our, our support system nice nice cool so that said you know you're on radio you're working hard shift after shift what kind of led the transition from being on radio being a dj to djing all these various parties to going into production hmm. well the thing about music is when you're sh when you're in the musical realm it doesn't really divide itself you know so just like like i would have met a lot of djs as well with my producer hat on or you know a lot of artists as a dj like once you step into that music family like everybody just embraces you so it was a case where i was this young dj and there was a studio above the radio station kubiashi who at that point well still is one of the leading caribbean producers and then like every time artists or or producers would come through the radio station you would just grow this large network of musical geniuses who would come through and interact with you and rub off on you like i remember I was always in, into playing instruments from a young age, but I remember one of my biggest inspirations to step over and actually start composing and, and making music was London Future, who actually came to St. Vincent th th those times, I think, with Marshall. And I remember like we just vibed and, and he, like just watching him work and also he was working with Kubiashi at the time. Like it just inspired me to go out and start putting my ideas now into a digital format and, and making music. So that was really the catalyst for my production life. You know, that was like back in 2014. Wow. So Captain John has been in this thing for a long time, for about six years. And you know, we have to lodge up London Future for getting you to pursue production, right? Uh, for those of all you locked in right now, London Future is one of the producers that's responsible for Nasa Prappies. Let me show you how the tingle. Uh oh. So just some background there. So that said, you know, you know, you're starting production. You got the inspiration. What was your first production ever? First release produc production or the, the like first, first, first one? The first, first, <laughs> first one. Um... When I, I was actually teaching at this point, and I remember sitting in the staff room and doing a Bob Marley remix, like, day by day. That was the first, first production. But the first release was with Kubiashi, the Rebel Panda rhythm. That was a, a Vinci one back in the day. Um, that, that was my first project. Um, I think we had, well, I know, we had Reek on it, Hans, Problem, and Skinny. And that was huge for me to get them all like on my first project because I had interacted with them as a DJ. But, you know, the producer world is completely different, convincing artists to, you know, be a part of your projects. Like I still right. remember the first day. I actually remember the first day I went up. Now I'm seeing um, Island Shack Entertainment because I remember Dimes and Pixel were there when I went up with my half a MacBook to Kubiashi <laughs> Productions with this idea that I put down on on this morning and i'm nervous as hell because i i never came to these guys as a producer and i'm like okay listen to this what do you think and kubi was like yeah it's, it's sounding proper and like we spent nights getting it together and everything so 
that was actually the first release project. Yeah, and from what I recall, that was one of the biggest rhythms for Vinci Mass that year, um, 2016. Yeah, it, it definitely was a good start, you know. Up to now, up to this day, it's one of my favorite projects. I was even telling a friend that yesterday. I That sound from Rebel Panda, I, I don't believe in replicating projects, and that sound from Rebel Panda is still one of my favorites. It's just a nice, raw sound, you know. Right. So, I mean, you heard it here first, folks. DJ Captain John, check it out, the Rebel Panda Rhythm on his SoundCloud page. This was his first official production mm -hmm. alongside uh, Kubiashi. And before so, I put, Tian, Tian Winter was also a, a member of that rhythm also. You know, big up to yes. Tian. I still, I'm still doing work with Tian. He's very, very talented guy. So I see we have some questions here in the chat. Um, someone asks, uh, do you prefer DJing or producing? There's no real preference, man. It's, it's, it's really like what I'm, I literally stand beside my DJing equipment and my production equipment. And I'm like, what do I feel like today? And then sometimes I might produce something and then feel like DJing after. So. Honestly, nothing beats each feeling. Nothing beats the feeling of being able to entertain a crowd. And that's still not comparable to watch a project grow from your laptop on to, to winning prizes and being sung by thousands of people. You know, both of them have completely different feelings and both of them are amazing feelings. You know? so. Definitely. And I think that the world has benefited from you doing both, right? Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think so. <laughs> All right. So from a, a production standpoint, what would you say is the most challenging part about being a producer? Mm. Most challenging. Yes. I would say we creatives like to stay in our creative space and sometimes the business part, the business end of the production game, you know, becomes a, a big hassle for us. I know it was a big hassle for me, you know, um, so that, I would say, is one of the more challenging parts, dealing with, with the legalities and, and the administrative sides of, of the music itself. It's, it takes a lot of learning, and it's, a con it's, it's an ongoing, continuous process. Um, like, to this day, I would say I'm more knowledgeable than I was before. But even today, I had conversations with another producer friend of mine where I learned something new. You know, it's, it's, it's really a lot. So that, I would say, is very challenging, especially as a young producer. And I, I have a science background, like you saw. I, I don't right. have a, a legal background. So for those that, you know, aren't so familiar with what it takes to produce a song from the start to the finish, in terms of the, the legal and the marketing and the distribution challenges, just walk us through what that would look like. Oh, <laughs> let me try to summarize it. A, a brief version. <laughs> a brief version. Yeah. Um, music is normally divided into 200, into a 200% pie. So from inception, the way I like to think about it is the terms that we use were created when there was a physical copy of our record in existence. So right. we like to use master and copyright and those sorts of things. You know, the master used to be the actual disc and it, that was made in the studio, who it belongs to and so on. So in most Every, the thing about it is there's no solid negotiation. A lot of people like to use frameworks. Most producers have frameworks that they use in terms of 
you know, this is what I normally ask for and so on. But everything is negotiation at the end of the day. It's, it's business. So normally you would negotiate with an artist and, and you know, you would divide the, the master or, or you would negotiate how you're handling the master. You know, I don't want to dive into too much of what's standard because there's really no standard, especially now. In the Caribbean, we're going through a big transition in terms of that, in terms of how we're handling who owns the master, etc. You know? Um, but then the copyright, the, the other end of it is, is normally straightforward. 50% belongs to the music, 50% belongs to, to the lyrics. So if, if me and an artist were to make a song from inception, um, by default, once I made the music, they made the, the words, sang it, performed it, that, that, well, sang it, wrote it, then it would be 50% for them, 50% for me on that end. So that's normally how it's divided in a very concise way. So we don't dive into like the specific specifics. Right. Nice. And for a lot of the young producers locked in, I think that's some pretty valuable advice when it comes to, you know, trying to figure out how to sort everything with your production. Yeah. From a legal and from a financial standpoint. Yeah. First, first, my big advice with that would be don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to, to ask advice. Go to people who know about things. Because even now, I would say I'm still a young producer. I'm young to this business, but I'm, I speak to other producers who are coming up and try to impart knowledge on them from what I've learned. You know, so nothing is and nothing is wrong with coming and asking for advice. I still go and ask for advice when I when I when I encounter certain situations. So that to me would be the best thing, the best advice business wise. Early up, ask as many questions as you can so you don't get yourself in situations down the road. Vibes. I think that's actually a pretty solid approach. So I'm seeing here in the little question box that we have some questions. So. I'm just going to pull it up really quickly and read them. Um, all right. So the first one comes from Mocha Macho, if I'm reading this correctly. She asks, if you could add one more person onto the Soul Chase rhythm, who would it be? <laughs> I don't even, we actually had a demo from Teddy. Uh, so I want to jump and say, because I, I had liked his demo. You know, he actually had a, a good song on, on the rhythm. You know, um, I would have loved to see, to, I can never decide, like, we always try to keep the numbers small, but there's so many artists who you want to see what approach they would take to a rhythm, you know. But Teddy, definitely, I remember that, that was, that demo was, was really good, you know. Um, I would have loved to see a female artist on it. That would have been a nice thing also, a nice female person to the, to the cast. Yeah, definitely. In terms of representation, I think that would have given it a nice balance as well. So on that point, though, because she did bring up a great point. How do you go about choosing artists to be on a particular project? Ooh. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you've ever listened to like, like a beat and you're just like, yo, I think this person would sound very good on, it, good on it. Like you just have some artists who have a niche, like a sound that you know that they're just, like it just is amazing when they're in, in that realm, you know? Um, so when I made Soul Chase with him, I knew that, you know, I could get 
I could either go with a contrasting sound from what it was because it was a very sweet rhythm. So I could either go with it and get some very, like a very sweet sounding artist or I could have gotten like the kind of direction I went also to get skinny and conscience and those guys to like rough it up and give it that kind of dynamic, you know? So that's really it's by the sound and who you can see doing it as much justice as possible. And I think that's a fair approach. I mean, a lot of us that listen to music, we do picture a lot of people that could fit on a particular project. Yeah, but that's not like, one thing I've learned is to send your stuff far and wide when you can, because sometimes someone will surprise you and you'll be like, wait, I, I did not think this person would kill this rhythm and they send you a demo and you're like, this is the most amazing demo I've ever heard in my life. Stop. This is who is going on the project. So, so it's great that you brought that up for the 2020, I guess, the Trinidad Carnival season, because obviously you didn't bring out any releases for the Vinci Mass season. Which artist did surprise you this year? Hmm. Which artist surprised me on, on a track I released or a demo I got? I on a track that you released. <laughs> um... Me think about it. I know when Skinny sent me his demos on Soul Chase Rhythm, it was not the direction I thought he would go. You know, it was, I, I love them from inception, but I, it, it was very different. Hmm. I'd have to think about that and, and come back. Who really surprised me, surprised me, you know? Who jumped All out? Right. Yeah. No scene. So, understanding, you know, who you are as a producer, as well as a medical student, and as a DJ, as someone who's well-versed in the entertainment scene, I realized that you've also gotten a little bit of backlash, and it's not really for your music, but it's for your heritage. So, it looks like, um, scrolling through Twitter the other day, I saw that you had a little conversation about, you know, Although you were raised in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, you have Jamaican heritage. And for some strange reason, people have given you backlash with that. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? I wouldn't say people. I would say it's a... It's a I don't want to say minority, but a few people... Okay. A few people had an issue with... I wouldn't even say an issue. But they came out and, and they were, were saying that I wasn't actually Vincentian. And I guess if you, if you listen to me speak, sometimes it's kind of mixed, you know. Sometimes I, I would, like I have a because I'm born in Jamaica. I, like all of my family is Jamaican. But I know everything Vince. I'm a Vincentian by, like, I've, I've lived in St. Vincent for the majority of my life, you know. It's where my, my roots are. So... I, there was just a conversation about it. I wouldn't say anybody really had an issue, especially when when I started to see like a, a bit more success. I would say in the region, like where my allegiance lied, you know. But right. Like literally, my all of my musical inspiration and all of my musical roots came from Saint Vincent, you know. I would say I, I had I have Jamaican influence when it comes to what kind of music I listen to, especially you know my mom is a big music fan and she is into into dancehall and so on. But 
I learned how to play instruments in St. Vincent, you know, here is really where my roots lie in terms of that. All right, so they heard it here first on the Let's Talk yeah. Soca show. Captain John is a Vincentian. He has some Jamaican roots, but he represents the 784 of Vinci to his heart. Yeah, it's, it's the same so, thing with Colombian too, because the funny, the funny thing was, we were this young, I guess, Jamaican, Colombian, Vincentian sound duo that was traveling and representing St. Vincent. So they were like, you know, um, where you guys really belong. But we always made it known that at the end of the day, you know, when we, when we represent, we represent St. Vincent, you know, when I put work out there, you know, I always see myself as a part of the Vincentian music association, like that music family, you know, so, yeah. All right. I see we have some comments here in the chat. Um, people say that they love your accent. <laughs> Exuberantly legit is asking what I'm drinking. Um, well, as I interview son drinking water. Um, and everyone's saying, yeah, they claim you, they love you. 784. So again, I, I got a large of my, my Vincity money inside. For sure, for sure. And this is a very depressing weekend for us, you know, because... Well, tonight would have, been pumping, would have been inside pumping tonight, you know, probably yeah. OSC might have been on stage, who knows, swappy, so, along with Skinny and everybody, so, you know how it goes. Yeah, boy, I, my heart goes out to everybody who was planning to go Vinci Mass this year, everyone who was looking forward to jumping up, boy, yeah. alright, so... Now, you brought up the topic of Vinci Mass, right? Mm -hmm. Now, around this time last year, we had, what, four, five hundred releases of Vinci Mass. And this year, although there is, the carnival is either, you know, postponed or cancelled, depending on what Ralph says. Mm -hmm. I realized, you know, there has been a, a, a steady decline of what's released out of St. Vincent and the Grenadines in terms of Soka. Yeah. So... With everything that's going on, with the decrease and with the, the lesser volume of the releases, do you think that this was the right or the best decisions for the local artists in St. Vincent and the Gardens to make during this time? To release less music? More or less, yes. That, see, that, that, has, that point has a lot of different angles to... to take a, to look at when it comes to releasing it. We actually had like a surge in releases a couple of weeks ago, especially when they announced that, that we had, because we actually have a virtual, you know, um, Soka Monarch. Soka and Calypso Monarch. So big up. I think Lester is actually doing that. A producer from here is actually an integral part of it um, among other people. So I could understand both sides, you know, um, in terms of soca in general, I would say that the amount of releases decreased because around now you'd also be seeing Grenada releases, you know, maybe even some St. Lucia releases, Barbados releases. Um, but we've really, our genre has really become a festival based genre. I don't want, want to say that definitively, but that's really what it's become. You know, the majority of our income from the genre is, is focused around 
festivals, carnivals, and especially with, with the exclusion of those carnivals from the equation, you know, you lose the chance of making the majority of your income. So I, I know a lot of artists, because in, in the grand scheme of things, we are going through a recession. You know, economically, it's, it's difficult right now for everybody. And I always say it costs to make music and it costs to make quality music. So I know a lot of artists found it difficult to make that decision to spend the money at this point and, and not know, in, know that they were not going to be able to recoup it. Or, or, you know, I also agree with the argument where in order for, for the genre to move forward and, and disassociate itself from festivals, which it, in, in the grand scheme of things, I believe that that's what the Soka Festival, the Soka Global message is, that we need to now have a, a, a genre that can stand on its own and, and isn't only associated with Trinidad Carnival or, or Vinci Carnival. In order to do that, we need to release music at this point. But we also have to understand the constraints of our artists who a lot of them do this full time and, and a lot of them, even if they have other careers right now, we're in a grand recession where it's more difficult to spend the money to be able to, to release that quality music. You know, I know I spoke to a lot of artists who, sorry, who also looked at the fact that in the grand scheme of things, the equation is, if I have a rhythm right now and I know that rhythm can be a hit and I release it right now, the, the maximum, I don't want to say income, but, but the maximum success of that rhythm is diminished because of the state, the state that the, the world is in. You know, it can't be as far-reaching because all our resources aren't up and, and ready to, to go. You know, so I, I do understand both sides. I do think there is a need for music to be released right now and big up all the Vinci artists who are releasing music, Casper G, those guys who are actually out there making sure that music is out there and represented from St. Vincent. But I understand the other side also where it is a risk financially and, and otherwise to actually release music at this point, you know? And I think that's a, a really fair point. Um, definitely got a lot of the artists so far that have released like Wetty Beats, Sickle, Chiwali, Skinny, Problem Child. But you mentioned something that's really important, and that's having the means to release music. Yeah. For those in the chat, you know, that are not necessarily musicians or in the music industry, how much, I guess on an estimate-wise, how much would it cost to release a song for this season? It depends on the song. You know, that's right. the my thing. But it can run you a good... The higher end is going to be 2,000 US dollars plus down the road, you know, if you're investing into your project, marketing, mixing and mastering, making sure that it is of international standard, which we all should. But, you know, it, it varies from project to project, you know, but it's not cheap. In the general schemes, I think quality music is not cheap music. Yes. And that's a very good and fair point. So I see here in the chat, large up uh, DJ C4 as well. Someone asked a pretty personal question, but um, the people in the chat would like to know, is Captain John single? Because <laughs> they're going back and forth on this. So the people would like you to answer the question I, I, if you're I, open to. 
I am unavailable. That's the best best term to to. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Next. Right. <laughs> so, in the the whole analysis that you gave of whether or not soca artists should release music, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned the term soca soca global, right? What do you think makes you know what needs to be done for our music to become global? Global. First step that I think. Okay, in the grand scheme of things, I think Soka is pumping out music right now at a quality that can hit build the Billboard charts. We have the artists, we have the talents, we have the the resources to be on that international level. But I would say like our first our first issue right now is what I was speaking about in terms of our genre or our genre is is too heavily associated on on physical events, you know. And I don't think we're making as great a use of um as greater use of of resources as we can and especially income income streams when it comes to music um if we keep our genre associated with festivals and and those events then i believe that our population is being limited by those festivals you know if you look at your income as heavily heavily reliant on these carnivals because a lot of the, the majority of income from from artists especially would be their performances in these carnivals when you look at that then you limit your population or or the demographic that you're trying to target to the people that would be present at that event who can uh, encourage the promoter to book you where you make your your larger amount of money so i think if we move away from having our our genre so heavily reliant on <laughs> when you move away from from having your genre genre so heavily reliant on carnivals and release music all year round big up voice because voice has been doing that when you when you do that and now come out and are able to to generate an audience year round then your audience grows when your audience grows then your streams of income and your resources are going to grow also and once that population like afrobeats once that population that that listens to your music grows to a certain point point you're going to get international recognition so i think that right now and that's been made evident by this pandemic you know like if we had streams of income that didn't rely on physical events i mean in general music in general is is not in its best state right now the, the music industry but if we were not as heavily reliant on those festivals then you would see people fare better you know they would have more streams of income that can be generated without having to actually be physically present and that's what we should be striving for Right and I think that's a pretty fair point and how to take the soca music global voice uh Aaron St. Louis lodge up yourself uh if you haven't listened to his latest track by any means make sure you check that out on YouTube stream it on all the platforms possible and I'm going sending as soon as I finish here I'm going sending as soon as I finish here as soon as I finish uh Candy lodge up yourself Nicola lodge up yourself as well so if someone you know is young right and you know we have a lot of young aspiring producers and DJs that's in the chat and 
you know, they want to get into production. They want to talk to the people in the room, right? What's their best way to get their foot in the door? We have all the tools, like, present right now to, to get your... You can more than get your foot in the door. You know, we have, like, I'm telling you straight up, everybody's connected right now via Instagram or, or so on. Like, the best way to get your foot in the door is to network with people through your means that are, are available to you. You know, everybody has social media, and people are out there actively on social media looking for what's next. You know, you'd be surprised how many people get placements as producers from putting their beats out there, like just having it out there for people to see, you know. Um, so I would just say, you know, make that step. Don't be shy. Message people. I remember in Audio Essentials, um, I think it was late last year or early this year, um, Casey and, and Tehran and those guys were speaking about, you know, just reach out, send an email, you know, if you see someone speak to them. That's sometimes the easiest way to, to just get your foot in the door. So use the resources available to you. Everybody has Instagram. Everybody has Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And definitely large up uh, Casey and the whole Precision Productions family on the, the Audio Essentials course. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing here from DJC4, he joined late. Uh, he's just asking, you know, where did you start as a producer? Um, 2014 with Rebel Panda, you know, Kubi, London Future, you know, and I know for sure 2016 was a trying year for me and 2017 was a year I really stepped out of, 2016 was a, was a trying year and 2017 was a year I really stepped out and, and delivered some of my first, you know, projects, projects. All right, so you are, you know, Vincent John to the bone. You represent 784 all over the globe. For, sure. for those, you know, not familiar with Vincent John music or music from St. Vincent and the Grenadines, who would you say are some of the younger artists we in the soccer community should be looking out for? In, from St. Vincent? Yes. Whoa. Mason. Spielberg. Spielberg, that you see both of those guys, Carbon Jams. We have Casper G, that's C, Dimes and Pixel. Comment, comment them for sure. Like they've built a good infrastructure there for sure. So many. Um, small Circle. I don't want to start naming and then leave, leave guys out, but St. Vincent is in a state right now where we're just waiting on a, on a catalyst to, to just explode like we have the music we have the talent for sure like once we get that that little puzzle piece that's missing it's gonna be it's gonna be something you know people who come know what, what i'm speaking about people who've been to Bintimas, people who stay in track with in tune with the music that's coming out they know for sure you know it's there for sure. And, you know, we have to, I see a lot of people in the chat saying Spielberg, Dimes and Pixel, the XDP, Hans. Hans, so, Hans, for sure. I can't even leave out Hans. You see, I didn't want to start naming and then because <laughs> we have Chanel, Luta, Dynamite. Sita. Sita. Sita is definitely making inroads in dance all in right now. And Soka. But she has, I think she has a song with Vibes Cartel this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's check that one out. Not to mention, we have a whole dance hall <laughs> contingency coming up too. So, exactly. 
All right, so I see we have a question here in the question box. So it asks, do you prefer working with men or women as far as producing? Well, that's... I would say everybody is different, you know, from person to person. There's no really like, okay, guys work like this, you know, women work like this. I feel like everybody's creative energy is different to a point. So, you know, I I work with with like I work with men and women and I don't I find it's it's different from person to person. You can find females who have like that same creative energy as as guys and you know, so it's more I would more group artists I work with in terms of how they operate creatively. You have some guys who are like this and they can just go in and come out and give you something amazing. You know, Vaughn is like that. Vaughn can, the, the rate at which Vaughn turns out a song is like, and then you have guys who are perfectionists. Who is like, I'm, I'm, I fall into that group, you know, where I might, I might work on one project for two months, but yes. after two months, what you get it is something that I- High quality. Perfect, you know, so like I would more group them like that in terms of who I prefer to work with. And there's really no preference. I, I, I find like everybody has, as their it's advantage just to work with uh, with everybody. There are advantages on both sides. Fair point. But to that point, you know, you mentioned Vaughn. Mm -hmm. I know for the 2020 carnival season, you've worked with Cass from Castiban, Voice, and Marsha Montano. What was it like working with you know? These artists that are based in um, Trinidad and Tobago, that's you know making waves across the globe. It was it was a really good experience, you know, you know, especially working with Voice and and Kess and, and Marshall and those guys. It was it was very educational for one. You know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot working with them. You know, there were trying times, especially when it came to my projects and and making sure it was out and. I think I learned because these guys are operating at such a level that I learned so much working with them that all I could like I, I just came out of it as an improved musician in general. Like there's some lessons that I took away from this and that entire experience, things I never experienced before that I, I have I have already started applying to my music ethic. You know, like even Casey working with Casey. I worked with Casey for the first time this year. And I'll tell you this man does not sleep like he makes sure he gets stuff done right like Casey is a, is not human <laughs> true but also you know during carnival time a lot of entertainers they tend not to sleep because mm -hmm. there's just an energy and vibe in the air that you know it's carnival and you have to put in the work to bring the best product possible to the masses for sure like i remember like 2 a.m mornings you have to wake up to make sure that it's out by a certain time like when it's crunch time it's crunch time i even went around with voice and i in in trinidad for carnival and i have no idea how these guys do it because it's one thing not to sleep like you can go through and pump and like we've done it as djs not to sleep but you watch these guys give eight performances a night full energy every single eight uh, 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 all through the night on top of that they're suffering because you know law of diminishing returns if i jump on the same foot for 10 days straight eventually the foot gonna start get tired and these guys are out singing every single night and giving their hundred like 
trust me, Trinidadian artists, I don't think there are any artists in the world, not even dancehall artists who go out and work like that during a, a, a period. It's really amazing. Yeah, so we definitely have to lodge up all the artists locked in as well to um, Let's Talk Soka that go above and beyond to bring the best product. For sure, for sure. Yes, lodge up Candy in the chat, lodge up DJ C4. DJ C4, so we actually asked that question to John in the beginning of the interview because we have a couple of minutes left. We cannot get to it, but once the interview is published, you could watch it in the first five minutes where we actually start to dig into John's career. So in terms of, you know, a lot of people argue that soca music is very hard to find online, especially on, you know, the digital streaming platforms. In your, you know, in your experience as a producer, what's your opinion on the, the barriers to the access and distribution and the marketing of the music? Okay, so I'm going to relate this now back to a point I made earlier, because I remember we spoke about this before. When it comes to distribution, a lot of artists are just realizing how important it is to get their music out there, especially right. when the majority of your income is not coming from your song being distributed. A lot of importance isn't going to be placed on it. You know, you get it on YouTube, the people who are coming to your show can listen, etc. But in the Caribbean, we're actually having an increase in, especially the smaller islands. I don't like to say smaller islands, but these, these parts... The regional Caribbean. The original Caribbean. I like that one. We're now starting to dive into distribution and, and making sure that our music is available like within a wide spectrum of stores and so on. You know, now especially in St. Vincent, producers are making sure that artists have, have their music out there because they're, they're explaining to, to a lot of people that this is lost income that's coming, coming out. What you have on the other spectrum also, though, is people who have realized that that deficiency and are capitalizing on it which is something that i see happening in the caribbean that we need to be be cognizant and careful of you know because a lot of people understand that we don't fully know what the standard is and therefore they're taking advantage of artists and and making them sign contracts and so on that are not to their best interest you know so digging a little deeper there, because I think it was a little vague. Are you saying that there are people outside of the Caribbean who's actually trying to take advantage of the artists and their talent? Well, I would say in general, that's something you find almost everywhere, that people always try to take advantage of people who aren't. Because like I was saying, I don't even, it's a learning process. You know, nobody comes and they're, they're like, read this book before you start music. You know, you learn as you go through. So a lot of people who wouldn't have been as knowledgeable before or or are in the process of learning it happens where they're taking advantage of especially in these new introductions these things that are being introduced for the first time in the caribbean you find a lot of people going into to deals and so on that really don't benefit them you know they and then they realize maybe a couple of years down the road that oh boy i'm doing sorry oh boy i'm doing this with my music and I can't do this with my music, you know, or I want to do this with my music and I can't. So it, it happens. It happens. Trust me. It happens everywhere because we always read the articles in the states of record labels signing artists and taking the master and like long legal battles. So it does happen everywhere. So we're, because we're in this era now of 
technological education, you find it happening a lot less. Like any artist can look at you and tell you about masters now and wanting to own their own masters, you know. But it's always good to read and, and not get yourself trapped in those in those equations. So, yeah. Very good. And I mean, for the artists, you heard it here first. Make sure you read your contract. For sure. Educate yourself on the music industry and try to do what's in your best interest. Yeah. So, John? one else to read it too. Two people if you have to. Make sure everyone reads it. Like, make sure that you're just not... I know everybody's happy, especially when things just happen. But, you know, make sure that everything... All the I's are dotted and the, the T's crossed. Are crossed. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, we have a minute remaining. <laughs> um, are you open to coming back for five more minutes as we wrap up the discussion? Sure. I don't mind. All right. So, so for everyone that's locked in, we're actually going to restart the live. I have two more important questions for John to answer and I'll see you all in about 30 seconds lots of everyone locked in right now that have their questions as well alright yeah. we back so, yeah alright so before we you know we got cut off we were talking a lot about you know the music industry and the importance of marketing and distribution especially in the industry right um where I wanted to lead down that line, because you talked a lot about, you know, artists and the importance of reading a contract, making sure that someone else reads it, and that they're not getting into a situation that they don't want to get into as a creative. Exactly. What are your thoughts on having artists or producers own their masters? Their rights to their masters, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> I know it's for those of you guys that's not familiar with the, the entertainment industry this is actually one of the hottest buzz topics right now that I think every yeah. artist and producer is going through um, the thing is there hasn't been a right or wrong answer and yeah. I just want to get John's take on that as well yeah it, I would okay my beliefs when it comes to master ownership are that music is a property of those of the creators and it would be unfair mm -hmm. especially for one creator who enlisted the talent of other people on a track to not renumerate not to pay the other artists who contributed their talent to the track from the master you know because literally when you own the master you're saying that you have you own the track you have 100% ownership you have 100% saying what the track does right know? So I believe in most cases, in all cases, my belief is that all entities or most entities who have contributed to the creative development of the track should be entitled to some portion of the master. However, like I was saying before, there are some, there are different things in negotiations, you know, music, music is a broad thing, especially when it comes to the legality of certain things like it, it boils down to, to such a simple thing as, as in I could hire a guitarist for my project and if I wasn't as clear or defined in his role on the project, he could perhaps have a say in or have a claim to a portion of the master. You know, right. We have the newest thing these days, which is um, fully done projects with two creatives 
completing the project and an external financer owning the master. You know, so although there aren't any firm, like, master should be owned by this person or so on, it comes down to, to a negotiation. I am of the belief that at the end of the day, if me and another creative make a track, we should all benefit from what is made on the master. You know, to some extent, the negotiation of it is, is a different issue. But to some extent, we should at least benefit from what's, what's being made. So in other words, in short, everyone should eat. Yeah, everybody should eat off the master. Me as a, I, it would be unfair if I, look at a, if I sat down and I was like, okay, I produced this. Jell, you came and sang, sang out your heart on your track. But everything this track makes, I am going to take it. Like, that would be unfair. You know, but at the same time, it would be unfair for an artist to say, okay, you know, I'm going to take 100% of this master and pay you nothing after you've sat down and put your creative, you've literally put your creative touch on it. Like, that's, mm -hmm. it's unfair from both ends. So that's why it's, uh, it's really become a touchy subject because in the Caribbean, our music is different. You know, our albums are... Well, we have albums, but also rhythms are considered albums. Albums. Like, rhythm would be a producer's album, you know, and we've grown, we have certain cultures when it comes to our music and, and the ownership of our masters that have led, especially when we expose, we're exposed to the international market now, have led to, to a lot of discussions that have, you know, it's, it's, it's a fight out there right now over master ownership, so... But that's what Definitely. I think everybody should, should eat, you know? And I think that's a good approach. Um, I see a lot of people joined in. So for those of you guys locked in, we're talking to Captain John out of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. He's a popular DJ and producer and medical student. He's juggling a lot. And what we, where we left off was the discussion of masters, whether or not the artist or the producer should own it. John's main approach is that, you know, everybody should eat. People should get the, the necessary cut because they put their blood, their sweat, and their energy into the project equally. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, negotiation comes down to the input also because if I'm investing in, in a project wholeheartedly and an artist isn't investing as much, then, you know, the percentage at which we divide the master or the percentage that the person gets of the master can't be as hefty as if, you know, both of us invest or, you know. Right. Because ultimately, you want to get the best uh, return on your investment. And if it is that the producer is putting in 90% of the work and the artist only did 10%, as an example, yeah. it's not fair for the artist to get all the earnings and for the producer to be left out on the side. Exactly. Exactly. That's how I look at it. And that's a good point. So before we, you know, we got cut off, we were also talking about the different revenue streams in which you know, artists can make money i know part of it is digital streaming but mm -hmm. are there any other revenue sources where artists can make money outside of you know the concerts and the streaming man there are so many i, I can't i think there are websites where they start listing listing ones i was actually reading an article you shared with me the other day when it came to to the restructuring of the music industry about like revenue streams that we haven't been tapping into i, I don't even think we can start listing them but there are so many revenue streams even for, for producers out there, you know, and, and that was one of my things with Soka. I don't think we're fully capitalizing on that right now. Definitely, because there's a lot of movies that, you know, kind of needs our music too. Yeah. 
exactly. You can get syncs into into series, movies, you know. So a lot of opportunities are out there. All right. So as we wrap up the interview, um us at Live Love Soka, we would like to know what's next for Captain John. What's next? <laughs> um I'm not okay. See, this is what I was speaking about, especially in terms of, of where I'm at creatively. I'm literally at the point where now I'm back to making at least one beat a day. But I literally make music based on, on how I feel when I wake up in the morning. That's, that's literally been my creative process, especially this week. You know, so what's next for me is I have more music to release. Um... I, I, def, I have a, a good bit of projects that I, I, I put the stop sign on because of the pandemic, you know, for, for different reasons. I had some I wanted to release, you know, at the end of the day, different things came into play. So I have those projects coming out for sure. Um, I've been working on a lot of things that people wouldn't expect to hear from me in terms of genre um, artists that I've been working with. So I'm excited for those things. A lot of opportunities have come up, come, come up in terms of that. But the biggest thing probably is that hopefully by the end of the year, you know, you guys will be seeing Team Energy Overload back together, pumping, doing stuff. So that's something that me and Columbia yeah. along with my year-long mix that I've been working on for a year. So. We, okay, so we're going to expect some upcoming projects from Captain John as well as the, the reunion with himself and Colombian for Team Energy Overload. So... To that note, with your projects, where can we find, you know, your music, your productions, the mixes? DJ, the easiest way to find everything is djcaptainjohn.com. But otherwise than that, you can follow me on all social medias, DJ Captain John. You know, um, I've been in a little posting hiatus right now as I go through my introspection and so on. Like, a lot has been happening. But um, normally, my bio has a link to all my productions, to all my mixes. You can always email me, contact at DJ Captain John. And I, and I always send, like, could be middle of the night, someone messages me, they need the instrumental, I send it. So, you know, I'm easy to get through to. All right, so you heard it there first. You could follow DJ Captain John on all social media networks. He has a lot of projects up and coming. He's been working on a mix for almost a year. So <laughs> I've been saying I had this mix series that I've been supposed to, to add the other piece to for about a year now. So, you know, I, I'm I'm guilty of that one. Yeah. Oh, right. Back here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I see a question here in the chat really quickly before we go. Yeah. Someone was asking what <laughs> How important, I guess, are rhythms? Do you think rhythms help the industry or hurt the industry? Um, I think they help it. If I'm, if I'm speaking from my personal view, I'm going to say straight up. I, as a producer, I think rhythms help, you know? Um, I know, especially in recent times, we've gotten to the point where um, there are so many rhythms that it affects the flow of music. I know that was something that my DJ counterparts spoke to spoke about last carnival, where we were just flooded with rhythms. But from a business per perspective, and from 
you know, when you're looking at, at the structure of all Caribbean music, um, rhythms are an integral part in, in displaying artists and, and the actual structure of our industry. It, it gains, it leads to, to a lot of benefits from both parties, from the artist and also the producer. So I, I do think that they're necessary. You know, I, I think there, there needs to be a balance between the unique news, not unique, but the singles and the rhythms. You know, we can't overdo it too much, but definitely it's, it's something important. You know, I can do so much with a rhythm. You know, I can display four artists at the same time on one beat in a cost-effective way. So I don't think rhythms are, are going anywhere, but we just have to balance it, you know. That's a fair point. So, Captain John, we want to thank you for being with us today for Let's Talk Suka. Sure, bro. Uh, just remind us again where we can find you. You can find me, all social medias, DJ Captain John. Um, I think it's Captain John one on Snapchat. I have TikTok, but I'm gonna start posting more there because I'm I'm getting the hang of the the beat making TikTok videos. So you can find me on all socials, you know, djcaptainjohn.com. So we can expect a, a Captain John challenge soon, right? Yeah, soon, <laughs> relatively. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see what's up. We'll see what's up. All right. So there you have it, folks. This is Let's Talk Soka. Yours truly, Jal, out of the Soka Analyst. Captain John out of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Gotta say much love to everyone who tuned in for the past hour and a half. Those that ask questions, the whole Vinci team, my, my thoughts and prayers are with all of that, you know, yeah. mourning the loss of Vinci Mass. We will see you again soon for another episode of Let's Talk Soka with Problem Child. So stay tuned for that. Captain John. Respect. Yeah, man. Bless.